Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. It is my absolute honor to be here with you guys this morning. We had our 30th anniversary as a, as a church last week. For those of you guys who were here, uh, that is pretty remarkable. If you were here last week, you got to be a part of that celebration. And I was telling my dad uh, after the service, it didn't feel like uh, the 30th birthday of this community. It, it honestly, it felt like the first birthday of this community. It, it felt like, wow, what a great starting place yeah. for, for what's to come. To look around that room and, and see, and, and to look around this room and see so many generations raised and so many nations reached in-house. And that's our vision. That's our mission yeah. as a church. To see that come full circle in-house, that's miraculous. That's really, really beautiful to see. Um, and so it was so cool to see that. It was so cool to, to, to be a part of that. I'm so excited for what God is doing in our community uh, here on the Sunshine Coast and through this church. Um, it's been so awesome to watch you guys uh, from afar and, and see what God has been doing in this community. Uh, I'm a part of an incredible church in New York City called C3NYC, uh, led by pastors Josh and Georgie Kelsey. They are phenomenal uh, leaders and they inspire me and everyone in our community every single day to step out. Uh, in ways that we never thought possible. Uh, we, we just launched our fifth location last year uh, in five years. So we have five locations now across New York. And what God is doing in New York is, is pretty crazy. But New York, uh, a lot of people ask me, you know, when I, when I come back to visit, oh, what's it like living in New York? It's, it's almost exactly like what you would think it's like. It's very, very crowded. It's very, very busy and loud and dirty, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like living in a giant mosh pit, like at all times, you're just surrounded by people, like being upright spooned by a complete stranger is literally the only way I know how to start my day, just on the subway, just, just crammed in with everyone else, when I first moved to New York, I, uh, I had big hopes and dreams for myself. The first apartment I could find in Manhattan was, was a sublet in, in Harlem. Uh, and it was a room, I paid $1,000 a month for this room. And it was, it was nine feet by nine feet. It was about the size of a tanning bed. <laughs> my dad came and stayed with me the first year I lived in New York. Uh, he came and visited me for my birthday. He came and stayed in that room with me. And... Uh, it was like living in a submarine for like, a, for like two weeks or however long he was there. It's, it's a crazy place. I live in a, in a much nicer apartment now with a few of my friends. And, uh, and I have a bit more space now. But it's still not quite what you think uh, when you see New York. I think, I think sitcoms like Friends and uh, How I Met Your Mother and, and Seinfeld, all these shows... They paint a little bit of an unrealistic picture when it comes to being a young adult in New York City. Nowadays, I think if someone was to make a sitcom about my life in New York, it would just be a time-lapsed video of me watching nature documentaries and eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches until 
I'm too full to reach the TV remote control. And, um, and basically, when, when I do leave the house, it's just to get in lines. That's basically what I do is I get in lines places. I'm, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, what am I going to do today? Oh, I'm going to go get in some lines. I'm just going to go stand in line somewhere for hours <laughs> waiting for something. I don't know what, a bagel perhaps, a hot dog. But um, this morning, I'm excited to share a message with you guys um, that God has put on my heart for this community specifically for you guys. Um, and it's, it's a message, uh, if you're taking notes this morning, called Mirrors. And um, it's something I'm very passionate about uh, when it comes to the way we see ourselves, the way we see others, the way we see God. It's something that really I've been challenged on a lot since moving to New York. New York is a melting pot for every community on the planet, basically. It's, it's kind of the hub for all things fashion, music, art, business. Uh, you know, it's, it's money, it's poverty, it's everything in a very small, concentrated space. And so when you're in that on a day-to-day basis, you, you start to see people differently. You start to encounter humanity in a different way. Um, If you've got your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to James chapter 1, verse 23. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man or woman they were. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he or she does. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you right now for hearts to be open this morning, for, for minds to be available, for you to invade this space, Jesus. We just invite you in this morning, Holy Spirit, to, to impart your wisdom in us, God, that we would go out into this world today and this week and this year and shine your light and reflect your glory in this beautiful, beautiful city and this beautiful incredible nation that we're so blessed to be in. We thank you for all of this in your name. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I don't know, have you ever like walked around the city or walked around in public and then you catch a glimpse of yourself in a reflection somewhere, maybe a store window or, or you know, a mirror that you've seen somewhere and uh, you're surprised by what you look like. No, of course not, because you're not a lunatic. You look at yourself before you leave the house, right? I always envy those people that have the confidence to be like, well, I guess whatever it is, that I'm just going to roll the dice on that one. I'm not that way. I have to look at myself in the mirror. I have to fix everything. I have to make sure I'm presentable before I go out into the cruel, cruel world and, and face that. But sometimes you do catch yourself in a car door or, or you know, or a, a shiny piece of metal and it ruins your whole day. I don't know, maybe it's just me. 
But I'll just be like, oh God, that's what I, oh my gosh, how long's that been in my teeth? You know? Maybe you don't. Maybe it's just me. I was on my way to, uh, to go on a date recently. And uh, I, got there, I got there a bit early. So I had a bit of time. So I'm walking through the parking lot on the way to the restaurant. And I uh, decide to, you know, fix myself. Make sure, you know, make sure I'm presentable for this date. It's very important. So I see my, I, I just look into a car door, window, and, uh, you know, oh, I've got time, so I'm, so I'm fixing my hair, and then, you know, then I just start get going a little bit overboard, and I, I start, like, changing a lot of things about, I'm like, oh, maybe I should wear my hair up, maybe I should wear it down, you know, or maybe a cheeky little, like, out of, half out of the pocket action, you know, maybe, like, one button down, you know, oh, nah, that's a bit too much, you know, we're just at Applebee's, you guys don't have Applebee's, that's a stupid reference. And, uh, and, you know, and then I'm doing all this and, 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 and I, go, I go a little bit overboard with this, you know, and then suddenly the car window starts rolling down. <laughs> That's not a conversation anyone wants to have. I didn't have the conversation. I just walked away. There's nothing you could say. Like, you can't be like, oh, I knew you were in there the whole time. That's almost worse, you know? Just be like, hey, can you roll it back up? I'm not done. <laughs> can you imagine? Excuse me, roll it back up. I'm going on a date. Some of you guys are like, oh, this guy, he's really into himself. He's really narcissistic. No, I just do care. And I think a lot of us do care what we look like. But maybe, maybe I do care a little bit too much, okay? I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry I care so much. I'm sorry you're perfect. Here's a fun fact for you. 50% on average, 50% of our lives as human beings on average are spent sleeping or trying to fall asleep. 50% on average. On average, 85% of my life is spent with chocolate somewhere on my face. And because I have fake friends that don't tell me, I'll go all day. Like, how long was that there? Oh, all day. Excuse me? You didn't say anything? Do you have those friends? That's not a real friend. You got cilantro in your teeth and they don't tell you? That's not a real... Is cilantro not a... Coriander? Oh my gosh, Sorry. I'm so sorry, guys. Coriander, my bad. You knew what I was talking about. Um, but here's the thing, right? Is when, when, you, when you're surrounded by people all the time, like even though I know this town, this city, it's not quite as dense as New York City, you do, you do get desensitized to humanity. I do. I definitely do. I'm on the subway all day, every day it seems like, and I'm riding with all these other uh, passengers and every, every single stop almost, some, a homeless person or someone in need will get onto the train, and this dozens of times a day I'll encounter this, where someone will get on the train and they will start asking for money, they'll, they'll start giving a little speech 
to the whole to the passengers of the car, and uh, you know, and it's very different uh, for 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 each individual. So sometimes it's a it's a speech about uh, they were an army veteran, they need help. Uh, sometimes it's you know they're talking about. Uh, you know, how, how close they are to getting to a goal of theirs. They, they're, they almost have enough money to buy a meal. They just need a little bit more money. Uh, sometimes they're doing a, a, an act of some kind or like a, uh, you know, music or something, uh, giving a service in, in exchange for money. But it happens so much that basically nowadays, if you look around the train car, whenever these guys get on and start talking, no one pays attention at all. They're kind of just talking out into the ether most of the time because we, we experience it so much. You, you kind of just, you, it's not even that people are annoyed by it or sick of it as much as you just desensitize, just white noise because you know in five minutes another person is going to get on and say a similar thing. But one day, uh, very recently, a few weeks ago, in fact, I was on the train and a gentleman got on the train. He started talking just like everyone else does started talking and he was an older gentleman um and and he started just sharing his struggles and how much like how much he needed help right and he starts telling us this no one's listening i'm sitting there reading my bible no joke reading my bible which is usually the case for me i don't know about you but i'm usually sitting there like Read my Bible or praying to God, like, God, just give me another opportunity to, to serve your kingdom, you know. And then there's somebody right there who needs me. And I'm like, yeah, like, something else, you know. I'm not, like, looking. I'm not paying attention, right? So I'm reading my Bible. This guy, halfway through his speech, these speeches are usually very well rehearsed because they're doing it all day, every day, just to get a little bit of money. Just constantly, you can, you can tell. And, and. He gets about halfway through his speech before he just sort of stops and breaks down and just starts crying. This older man, he starts crying and then he starts yelling out into the train car and he's saying, stop ignoring me. I'm not invisible. He just starts looking at us and going, look at me when I'm talking to you. You don't have to give me money, but just treat me like a human being. Immediately, it got some of our attention. It broke my heart, but I can't imagine how heartbroken this man was to be going from car to car in a city of 8 million people, condensed into this thing, to just be all day, every day, yelling out into nothingness with people all around you who are just pretending like you don't exist. That sounds like a hellish existence to me. We become desensitized to human beings. In, in New York, it's such a tsunami of people constantly moving up and down the street. You're just always bumping into people. You're always, you're, you're always on the go. You're never stopping to, 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 to talk to anybody or to apologize to anybody. People are just on a mission to hustle and grind and get to where they need to go. And anything that is... In the way of that is an obstacle. It's a, a human being no longer is a human being in New York. It's, it's an obstacle. I think it's the same no matter where you go in modern civilization, whether it's someone who has broken down 
in front of you, on your way to work, on your way to a date, on your way to an important engagement, someone breaks down in front of you, that's not a person in need. That is somebody who's in your way. They're an obstacle. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and maybe the way that you make money is, uh, is through customers buying your thing. Eventually, it gets to the point where they're no longer customers. They're just a metric. They're a, they're a commodity. For me, most of my income uh, is made through social media, which I know is a bizarre concept to some of you guys. But the, the reason brands pay me to promote their product is because of numbers and metrics. It's likes, comments, views on a post. So those people that are engaging with my content, whether it's music, videos, or brand promotion, they're not people. They're a metric. They're a number that I'm sending out to these companies. Like, this is how many numbers I get. These are real people clicking on things, watching things, enjoying things. But eventually, it just becomes a commodity. People just become a commodity. They just become an obstacle. And that's because there are three things I believe, that are out of alignment in our modern-day civilization, in our society. And that is the way we see God, the way we see ourselves, and then consequently, the way we see other people. In Genesis 1.26, I wanted to read this because just like I feel like this is just the beginning of what God has in store for this church, I really felt challenged to go back to the beginning of the book to show you really not only God's character, but your purpose and your, the way he sees you. I think we see God as some sort of ethereal, gas-like creature that lives out in, out in the cosmos. A lot of modern-day uh, people, atheistic people especially, or agnostic people, they will, they will see God as a, a puppet master, Someone who's out there, he's, he's entirely uninvolved and uninterested in our human experience. But this, this says something entirely different. Genesis 1, 26, if you've got your Bibles. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals. And over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I like that it kind of reiterates that a few times. Just wants you to know. Hey, you're made in God's image. Well, what does that mean? Well, the Hebrew word for Adam, Adam, Adam in Hebrew, is the same word for dirt or clay. It's the same word that they use to, uh, to describe clay idols and false gods all throughout the scriptures. So the golden calf that Aaron makes when Moses is up on Mount Sinai, it's the same, same word used to describe God making Adam. We're told not to make these clay idols. God is the only one apparently who can do this. He creates an image of himself. We're not supposed to make images of him. He makes one of himself out of clay. The Hebrew word used to describe God breathing life into Adam, into humanity, is the Hebrew word ruach. 
It's a concept that the Hebrews believed was your essence. It was your spirit. The way that a, a, a Hebrew person would describe Ruach to you is it's the air that escapes your face as you're talking. So if you're talking to somebody and you can feel the air coming out of your face, that's your Ruach. That's your essence, your spirit leaving your body and going out into the world, creating things. That's where the power of your words come from in the scriptures. But more importantly, this is the word used to describe God breathing life into people. He's not out there somewhere like flinging creation into existence. He's kneeling down in the dirt, creating an image of himself, and then he's kissing proximity to this, this clay figurine before he breathes life into it. That's the posture of your creator towards you. That is the posture of a God who's entirely involved in our human experience. So that should tell you something very, very specific about the way God sees you and the way God is and the way that you're made in His image. And that's going to change everything. Why is that important? Because when you wake up in the morning and you realize that you're made in the mirror image of the creator of the universe, well, that changes everything. Because that doesn't mean that just you are. It means that everyone is, doesn't it? Suddenly you start interacting with people a little bit differently when you start realizing, oh, that's an image bearer of the king. That's not an obstacle in my way. It makes it a lot easier to serve others. When you realize I'm a reflection of the king, when you realize you're a mirror reflecting his glory, it's a lot easier to serve your community and stop thinking about yourself. It really is. You know why? Because a mirror doesn't have its own image to reflect. Mirrors don't reflect themselves. They only reflect what's in front of them. Mirrors don't have a choice in it. They just do what they're made to do. It'd be an absolute nightmare if I woke up and my mirror decided to do its own thing. It's like, oh, I don't feel like it. I'm not worthy. I'd be like, I know, but... <laughs> okay, imagine, oh, I'm too dirty. I'm not, not showing up today. Just black. I'd be like, what are you doing? I've got, got work to do. I've got people to impress. <laughs> There's three things that you should always see when you look in your mirror. And your mirror being the scriptures. When you read your Bible, that is a reflection. That is, that is your mirror right there. Because how many of you guys know the more you read the Bible, the more it starts to read you? Yeah. And when you see in the mirror, not just in your Bible, but in yourself and in others, the three things you should see. You should see Jesus. You should be always looking for Jesus in the reflection. You should always be looking for yourself in the reflection. You should also always be looking for others in the mirror. And there's a plot twist. All three of those things are the same thing. When you see anything, yourself, your Bible, or another person across the street or across the restaurant, all you should see is all God sees. Jesus. That's going to change everything for you. That's going to change everything for our, for our world. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord. 
When you walk away from the mirror, don't forget who Jesus is. Don't forget who you are. And don't forget who they are. Just like James says, if you, you walk away and you just forget what you look like, immediately. We do this all the time. We read this. Oh, that's good. That's, that really speaks to me. Thanks, Bible app. That's going to get me going for the day. Give me a pep in my step. And then we forget. Immediately. I re- I'm reading my Bible on the subway while this shattered man is right here. Screaming out, begging for someone to help him. I'm like looking in the mirror and still not seeing it. That's how, how deep this goes. You have to be intentional about it. I've got three things for you this morning. If you're taking notes, the first point is how you see God determines how you see yourself. Because here's the thing, is, is you're going to become like the, the God that you worship. And a truly compassionate a truly loving, a truly fearless people are worshipping a God that's bigger than all of this, aren't they? When you encounter someone who is truly compassionate, truly loving, truly fearless, it's because they're worshipping a God that is truly loving, truly fearless, truly compassionate. It's the truth. Because the Bible says that everything he is, so are we. So if you don't see God as that, if you see God as some distant, ethereal, gaseous cloud out in the, out in the cosmos who doesn't care about people, well, guess what you are? You're also a big ball of gas that doesn't care about anyone. How many of those people do you know? But if you read your scriptures and go, oh, wow, look at this. God cares about the one, so, so I care about the one. God is love, so I am love. God is joy, so I am joy. God is healer. I'm going to pray for healing. God is provider. I'm going to not only be provided for, but provide for others. When you start realizing, oh, oh I'm made in his image. Everything he is, I am as well. You start walking with a different kind of authority, don't you? It's not about you anymore. God's not out there making it about him. It's only about us. That's crazy. So what do we do? We imitate that. Because we're made in his image. Once you understand how amazing your creator is, you start realizing how how amazing you are. I know a lot of great men and women who, for some reason, believe that they shouldn't want to be great. I think there's a a false Christian ideology out there at the moment that, that false humility is the same as real humility. It's not. False humility is just another form of self centeredness that the devil has a right to exploit. Because we see it as, oh, well, Jesus. Jesus said to be, if you want to be great, you have to be a servant. Yes, he did. But we fail to realize that whole premise, his whole statement falls through unless we first desire to be great. Why should we desire to be great? Because our Father is great. Our King is great. Our Creator is great. 
A saviour is great. Did you know that Jesus didn't come into the world to save half the world? He didn't. He came to save the whole world. Jesus didn't come into this realm to come last. And neither should you. I'm so sick of Christians walking around as if we should be the ones to take the back seat and come second place on everything. But we, but we idolize pop icons and athletes for being the best in their field. But Christians, no, no, no. We've got to come last. We've got, we got to take the back seat on this. Absolutely not. Our Savior didn't. Our Creator didn't. So therefore, we don't either. The devil, that's the, that's the biggest thing that, he, that he's trying to spin on you. That you're, that you're not called to be great. You are called to be great, so stop pretending like you're not. I think we just don't want to look arrogant in front of our friends is the bottom line. We don't want to look arrogant in front of our friends. But that, that false humility is, is just another form of self-centeredness. It really is. And we sacrifice. In doing so, we sacrifice our desires for greatness on the altar of faith when that's not anything that God ever asked us to sacrifice it's tragic to me to see the potential in in humanity these image bearers of the king the the guy who breathed stars into existence and they're out here doing nothing that's tragic that, I can't imagine how heartbreaking that is for God to see his creation not living up to their potential. I think one of the greatest dangers in life is to compromise ourselves just so we can be accepted by mediocrity. That's not something that we should ever strive for as, as believers in, in, the, in the God that we worship. Number two, how you see yourself determines how you see others. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. I think we all know that one pretty well. What does that mean, though? Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you've ever been on an airplane, they do that whole spiel with the, the, the safety things. In the unlikely event of, a, of an emergency, well, I don't know how unlikely it is, <laughs> but Sure. I'll listen to it. No one ever listens to it. Everyone's heard it a thousand times. They're always like, please listen. <laughs> please take your headphones off. Now they've got it on the screen so you have no choice. I was just on like five planes to get here. And it's like, they've, it's just the same thing over and over. But they always get to that part where they have their little party hats that come down from the, from the ceiling. Those useless things. They're not even, they're like, if the bag doesn't inflate, which it won't, I can promise you that. If it, don't panic if the bag doesn't inflate. It's not even a real tube. Like, it's a piece of string. Everyone's like, oh, I guess this is safe, you know. But they tell you, put this on before helping anyone else. It's the truth, though. You're of no use to anybody if you're drowning. And the same goes for this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because you're of no use to anybody if, you're not, if you don't feel loved. If you don't understand that you're loved, how are you supposed to be free to love someone else? Honestly. How many of you guys know that if you're struggling with an insecurity 
All day, that's all you're thinking about. You're not thinking about anyone else. You're thinking about your own insecurity. You're worried about something about you. And so you have no headspace for anything else. It's not until someone comes up to you and tells you something good about yourself that you feel free from that. You're like, oh, suddenly you're walking around complimenting everyone else. Why? Because you're free now to compliment someone else because someone else has already complimented you. I know that's a very crude and elementary example. But when God rescued you, when he sacrificed for you, it was to show that he loves you unconditionally. That frees you then to go love others unconditionally. Suddenly you stop asking arbitrary questions before helping somebody. Suddenly you stop going, oh, I don't know about giving money to that person. They're just going to go drink with it. They're going to go buy more drugs. Imagine if Jesus did that. He didn't. He got on the cross. He saw everything that was going to happen forever. He was like, yeah, it's still worth it. He knew that I was going to abuse his grace every single day for the rest of my life. That's pretty insane. But then we're like, oh, yeah, I'm just, hel- I'm just like helping them in their addiction if I, help, if I give them anything. We're looking for a reason not to serve. Because most of the time, we don't feel served. We don't feel loved. We're looking for reasons not to love others because maybe at the end of the day, we don't feel loved. But here's the thing is, your identity should never be built on what other people say about you. There's a thousand mirrors in this world, guys. And you're going to be staring in the face of them all day, every day. Maybe it's Instagram. You're scrolling through Instagram. Just a thousand comparisons about why your life isn't quite as cool as all these highlight reels of other people's lives. That's a dangerous mirror to stare at every day. Don't start your day with that. Start your day reflecting in his mirror. This is what he says you are. Not what they are. Not Not what they say you are. Listening to other people's opinions of your identity is... About as absurd as listening to Oreo's opinion of their recommended serving size for their cookies. Have you ever read the back of an Oreo packet? It's like two cookies. What? That's ridiculous. And so is listening to someone else's opinion of what you should be. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous comparison. I think at the end of the day, we all want to be enjoyed. We want to feel valued. We want to feel seen. Because in especially my generation, if it's not seen, did it really happen? Does it have any value? If I don't post a gym selfie, did I really work out? Who knows? How will, how will I get any value? If Facebook doesn't know, I'm at the gym. And if I can't take a photo, I'm just going to check in. I'm just going to check in that I'm there. Just so you know. Look at me. When a natural disaster happens, everyone gets on social media, starts praying for the world. But are they really praying? Or do they just want people to be like, oh, I know this bad thing happened, but like, don't forget about me. Oh, I know hundreds of people are hurting, but like, don't forget that I exist. We want to feel seen. We want to be valued. Let me tell you something right now. There are things going on in the deepest depths of the ocean, the farthest expanses of space that no eye ever has or ever will see. Those things not only exist, but are enjoyed by 
and bring glory to God. Why? Because he created them, that's why. We want so badly to be valued and to be seen and to be enjoyed. But let me tell you something very important. The moment you were born, you were valued. You were enjoyed. And you bring glory to God. That's your base level. That's your starting point. And not just you, everybody. When you walk out of church today and you get on a bus or you go to a restaurant, every person in that room is created in the image of God and is enjoyed by God and brings glory to God, whether you like it or not. That's a radical way to look at people. And people can sense it too. When you start treating your waitress or your waiter or your bartender or your hairdresser like an image bearer of the king, they can see it. They're like, whoa, why are you looking at me like that? Why are you trying to serve me every, every 10 minutes? Because you're Jesus, that's why. Of course I'm going to serve you. You look like my dad. That's, that is a surefire way to change the way that we, we interact with each other. Anyone who knows me personally, and even if you don't know me personally, knows that I'm an extraordinarily loud person. Originally, I was just going to say anyone that knows me personally, but like at this point in the sermon, you don't really need to know me personally to know I'm a loud person. And, and my, concept of, my concept of personal space is about as hard to gauge as, a, as, my, you know, as, as my awareness of when it's okay to hold a stranger's baby. I love babies. I'm like my mom. I love holding babies. But there's a point, you know, where it's like, you know, you don't know them and you're in the grocery store and you're just like, oh, I want to, you know? You know how it is. Don't act like you don't. Some of you just have more self-control than I do, okay? There's something that overcomes me. I like squeeze its leg, you know? People don't like that. I was a homeschooled only child growing up. Because of that, when I was pushed into the jungle that is high school and the real world, I had the social skills of a potato salad, which is, a, which is really good if you're at a Baptist luncheon. That's about the only time you're the most popular thing there. That's a church joke. Potato salad is a pretty popular item at a Baptist luncheon. I don't know why. But I used to think there was something wrong with me. Why am I like this? Why am I made like this? Why am I so loud? Why do I like being around people so bad that I have to touch them? I used to blame it on a whole bunch of things. I used to blame it on my parents. I used to blame it on my upbringing. But I can promise you this, that if you embrace whatever it is that you think is your flaw, you're going to realize very quickly that, oh, that's what I'm made for. 
The devil wants you to think that your greatest weaknesses or your greatest strengths are your greatest weaknesses. I said this at All In on Wednesday night, but Paul didn't even realize he was walking in his calling before he even encountered Christ. He was so good at killing Christians, hunting them down and ruining lives. When he encountered Christ, he realized he's like, oh, this is what I'm made for. And he built the church, all of them. Built from a prison cell. His strategy, his ability to destroy lives turned into one of the greatest weapons to change lives and and save lives. And it wasn't that God turned something the devil had made into something good. I think that's the way we sometimes see it, isn't it? Oh, God turned my story around and this thing I was really good at doing in the world, now I'm really good at it in the church. No, you were always meant to do that. You were just in the wrong arena. And that's where God is trying to push us back into his image and going, all right, this is what you were made for. Because when God sees you, he relishes in the fact that all he sees is himself. And when the devil sees you, he's so terrified for the same reason. Because when the devil sees you, All he sees is everything he missed out on. All he sees is the creator. All he sees is Jesus. And he hates it. So if he can put a a distorted image over the mirror, that's what he's going to do. And if he he can't stop the mirror from walking in its purpose, he's just going to warp it slightly so it's not quite doing its job the way it should be. The third and final point this morning is your purpose is always to reflect His glory, never your own glory. There's a really delicate balance between false humility and pride. We talked about this earlier. When I responded to the call of God on my life, the hardest obstacle I faced was discerning between His anointing on my life and my own pride. Because there's an overwhelming confidence that comes when you become a Christian And Jesus transforms you into the best version of yourself, the the creation that you always were supposed to be. When you're born again and molded back into his original intention for your life, there's a lot of confidence and authority that comes with that. You're like, oh, this is me. This is the way I was always supposed to be. This is amazing. But with that comes pride sometimes. You can walk in that. Because just like false humility, if God can, if the devil, sorry, if the devil can convince you that you're not as great as you are, he can also convince you that you're greater than you are. So you need to realize your purpose is always to just be a mirror. Just reflect him. That's all it is. So you need to start utilizing a very sharp knife called humility. And I know it's a hard thing to swallow sometimes. But something I try to do is to make continual decisions to stab myself in the humanity a little bit. I know that's a bit graphic. But it's important for you to realize that the devil, he's going to try and push you either way. If he can see you getting too too caught up in the, 
in, in what God has created you to be, then maybe he can flip it and make, make you even make it about yourself instead of God. Your, your purpose is always to reflect his glory. And this is the importance of being in his presence daily. Yearning for his presence, longing for his presence, talking about his presence, that's not enough. It's not. You can talk all you want about God's presence. You're only ever as close to God as you want to be. Yearning for his presence is not enough. You need to enter into his presence. This is why the, the, uh, the angels in Isaiah 6, they're crying out, the whole earth is filled with his glory. I remember I used to read that and be like, what? Isaiah, he's, he's on his face before the king. And he's, he's in a very broken world. And he hears this. That can't have made sense to him. Didn't make sense to me reading it. I thought the angels were the ones that were deceived, to be honest. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Really, angels? Have you ever gotten on the internet recently? Yeah? I thought they were wearing some sort of like spiritual beer goggles. Like they're just getting high off God's glory and like not actually like, wake up, guys. Wake up. The earth isn't really. But then I realized... We're the ones that are deceived. Depression, anxiety. These are just deceptions that come from us seeing the world from our perspective. In the pit, we're depressed. We're in a hole. Things aren't going the way we want them to go. The whole earth is problematic. We feed ourselves a mirror on our phones, on our iPads, on our TVs. We get on there and we see nothing but destruction and pain and we just, we just eat it all up. Just like a big straw of just pain and, and look how bad the world is. It's really not. It really isn't. It only is if you're seeing it from your perspective. But when you see it from Jesus' perspective, at the right hand of the Father, hmm, that's a different perspective. That's what the angels were seeing. They were up there with God. Because here's the thing. When you enter into His presence, you can't see anything but glory. When you spend every morning waking up and instead of feeding yourself the lies that the devil is forcing on you, and you start entering into His presence and, and seeing the world from His perspective, suddenly you're walking around. You don't see a bad person. You see an image bearer of the King. You don't see, oh, it's too hot, it's too cold today. You're grateful. You're so grateful. Look at this place we live in. I took this, this city for granted my whole life until I moved to New York. And I was like, oh, wow, what have I done? <laughs> no, I love New York. But whenever I show somebody a photo of where I come from, they're like, why are you here? <laughs> Please explain that to us. They're like mad at me. They're like really mad. They're like, why are you here? Not only are you contributing to the problem of there being too many people in the city, 
but also like you're paying a thousand dollars a month to live in a submarine and it's so cold outside or it's really hot outside it's trash everywhere there's broken people everywhere and you come from this place out here but here's the thing is I can see the beauty in New York as well because all of it the angels didn't say oh holy holy is the Lord Almighty some of the earth is filled with his glory the whole earth it's all mirrors all of it every person you look at is a mirror of his face and when they look at you guess what they should see Jesus when they look at you they should see Jesus in you they should also see Jesus in themselves that's the other purpose of a mirror isn't it when you see yourself as an image of the creator and you start seeing others as an image of the creator everything changes for the way that you start serving each other You're not walking around going, oh, no one likes me. No one treats me right. I would give. No one gives me anything. We're always looking. It's all about me nowadays. Oh, I love this church, but I just can't find any friends here. Oh, I love this church, but all they want is my money. When you start walking around knowing, oh, I'm an image bearer of the Creator. I'm everything he is. And so are they. You, those statements never come out of your mouth. It's not even a, you're not looking for reasons to not be generous. You're only looking for reasons to be generous. In, in America, we tip our waitresses because that's the way it is. I don't know. And, and oftentimes, we're always looking for the minimal amount we can tip. When you start seeing her as Jesus, it's a, it's a whole different ball game for her. You're looking for a way to make her day better. Because he said, if you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. What did he mean by that? Exactly what you think he means. Why waste time trying to bend theology into your weird box? God made us in his image, but for some reason we've returned the favor. We've made him in our image. We start bending God into, well, this is what I really want you to look like. I'm going to take all this gold and melt it into a cow. That's what you look like. That sucks. But that's what we do. But when you realize, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm him. I look just like him. When the devil sees me, he sees Jesus. He's terrified. When God sees me, he sees himself. And it, and it brings glory to him. Not because I did anything, but because I woke up this morning. So you start walking with a, with a different authority over your life. You start walking with a different joy. People start going, oh, there's something different about you. And suddenly they start seeing themselves differently through you. Because they're looking in the mirror. They're going, hang on a second, why do I look like Jesus now? I never saw this before. Never saw that I, is that really what I look like? Yes, sure is. When did I start looking like this? When you were born. You've just been lied to. I'm sorry. You've been lied to. 
But like, now's the time to wake up and start serving everybody around you. Start serving your community. Not so you can get something in return. It's not why a mirror reflects. My hope today is that you'll walk out of here knowing that you're an image bearer of the King. I don't know where you came in from. I don't know if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, that's awesome. I'm so excited for you to be here. So excited for you to found your family. You have found your family in case you didn't know. I'm not giving you a choice on that one. You just walked in here. I don't know why you're here. Maybe someone convinced you to be here. Someone bribed you. It doesn't matter. But if you're in here and you don't know the one who created you, I'm so excited. Guess what? You look just like him. I'm so excited. And if you're here and you've been following God for a long time, but maybe not living to what you think is the the fullest potential you could be as an image bearer of the King. I'm so excited for you as well. Because just like this is just the beginning for this church. This is just the beginning for you as well. His mercies are made new every single day. He knows we're going to go out there as mirrors and we're going to get dirty. That's what happens to mirrors. If you've got teenagers, you know that. They're popping their pimples in the mirrors every day. There's stuff all over those things. It's gross. That's the world we live in. You're going to get gunk on you. But you've got to be washed clean every day by His blood so that you can accurately reflect His glory out into the world. Not just by preaching to people, but by reflecting their glory back on them. How's that? Instead of coming at them with opinions on who they should be and and start being the the problem, you can start reflecting them the way they actually are. Be like, I know that's what people have told you you are, but you're not. You're fearfully and wonderfully. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.